0: This morning, we're going to continue on with the theme that we started last week in Psalm 136. That, uh, that of God's mercy. The theme of God's mercy. And joining up with the theme of the Messiah's appearing. Thus, the Advent uh, wreath, the reading of Scripture was, it was just great with that connection there. And in our minds, this whole idea builds up to help us celebrate Christmas time in, uh, in the way that God intended it to be celebrated. The coming of the Messiah. Right? And so, last week, we looked at Psalm 136, and we saw in Psalm 136 that every aspect of life, as, as the writer of Psalm 136 put that together he was summarizing here's here's god's here's god's creation here's god's work and he's he's interspersing it with and his mercy what endures forever every other line is 26 times okay and so we need to get that in our thinking that in our lives as we look back on our life or look ahead to our life everything about it ought to be about his mercy endures forever all too often it's about you know what you or i can can accomplish and what you or i have have done well those are that's good that can be confidence building in life but the scriptures pointed out to us that it's about his mercy okay his mercy in your life and the more you think about that and the more you implement that into your life okay the better off it's gonna that we will be the stronger we will be in times of trial in times of testing and we said that last week you will be tested you will be you know you'll go through difficult times and so the more we have that grip on you know what There's that psalm in my mind, Psalm 136. I go back to that as an example amongst many examples, but I go back to that as an example that it's about His mercy in my life. And His mercy endures forever. Okay? So, I want us to see that this is the same thing regarding what surrounds the Christmas story. What Sarah. Hurley did up here with the children the children's story time was right on. Here's God's, uh, in a sense, here's the preparation. Okay? And, uh, you know, here's here's what took place. And, you know, the nice thing about it is God doesn't stress over that. (laughs) You know, we might stress over preparations and things like that, but God doesn't stress one iota. Okay, God's sovereign, God's in control, and what came about was, here's God's plan. Here's God's plan. And the buildup of the Christmas story, as we start setting our sights to that uh, time of celebration, if you will, has this, this theme running through it that we talked about last week in Psalm 136 here's the issue of god's mercy popping up on the screen popping up on the on our timeline if you will okay and the background of this particular story that we're going to be looking at this morning is found that the it's uh, the story of zechariah and his song of thanksgiving to god for what will take place you know, for John, uh, for Zechariah and Elizabeth, and bearing here's the here's John the Baptist being born. So that's what we want to look at here this morning. If you would take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, and we want to take a quick look at this uh, as a backdrop. What the backdrop of it is. Zechariah and Elizabeth, okay, they were uh, really past the, the age of childbearing. And uh, as Zacharias was doing his priestly duty, he had the angel speak to him saying, here's what's going to happen. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, how, how this came down. That he questioned the angel, he, and and thus he was he was put silent for the next you know nine months or so. And uh, if you compare the story with with the angel talking to Mary, it's like Mary got away with questioning God, uh, questioning the angel's message. What what gives here, right? Now there's a difference there. You know Mary. Had a right to ask that, I guess, because how in the world is she going to bear a, a, a child when she's not had relations with a man? Thus the, what is it? The virgin birth. It's a miracle. Okay? So, here's, here's uh, Zacharias questioning the angel. And he, he gets the shut mouth syndrome. He can't talk. He walks out and he's like, something's happened here. And the people recognized it. And he was kept quiet, as we say, for a time. And we pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her. There's mercy popping up. There's mercy displayed. And they were rejoicing with her and it came about on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to call him Zacharias after his father and his mother answered and said, no, indeed. But he shall be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made many they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he began to speak in praise of God. Now, we're going to pick it up jump to the song of Zacharias. And the song of Zacharias has three verses, if you will, three points that we want to look at. But notice, he starts the first thing that's coming out of his mouth is praise to god all right and then verse 65 and fear came on all those living around them and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of judea and all who heard them kept them in mind saying what then will this child turn out to be for the hand of the lord was certainly with him And here's where we pick up with the song of Zacharias. And, uh, you know, he was unable to speak because of what? Because of doubting. Okay? And this is actually what happened. Here's a real physical result for his doubting. And listen, my friend, it's similar with us. Not that I'm going to, if I doubt, I'm going to lose the ability to speak. Uh, if, if God so chose that, uh, that could be the case, just like with Zacharias. But there's an interesting little uh, connection, if you will, with you and I. It can be a similar result with lack of confidence, lack of spiritual ability. Why? Because doubt causes us to fall, to stumble. God wants you and I to walk in faith, in confidence. So there's a little... Uh, a little important lesson about Zechariah's doubting. But here in verse 64, God allows him to speak. And he began by speaking in praise to God. So the first verse, if you will, of his song is in verses 68 through 75. And it's praise. It's about praise to the covenant keeping God. Praise to the covenant keeping God. And you think, well, what's the big deal with that? Why that kind of a big name there? Listen, Sarah even mentioned it here in the children's story time. The converging of these things happening, coming together, was a momentous time. We don't just look at Zacharias' song and think, oh, it's just kind of a random thing. And he, he got out his guitar and ukulele or whatever and strummed a little song. No, there is thinking behind it there's thinking behind this and you know th- you know put yourself in in his shoes it's like if you're having a child and it's a you know like a here's a miracle from god even with john the baptist being born it's like a, here's another miracle that god brought about what would be coming out of your mouth or my mouth at the, the birth of this baby boy would be about the baby boy <laughs> i'd be saying yeah here's my boy So and you know what's coming next and here's my grandson and that kind of thing, you know? And and so it's like our thought life, our mind goes to what? This way, not to God. And thank the Lord for Zacharias. And he starts his song out and by the way, his praise was directed or motivated with what? Look at verse 67. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way to praise God. Don't you forget it. You don't just walk into this building and sit down and say, well, let's sing. Okay, pastor and the worship team's up here and you know they want us to sing, so we'll sing. No, it's about you recognizing what is worship about. And how is it, how is it brought, how is praise done? It's not done in your own strength and your own power. We need to be a people like Zacharias that say, you know, God control me, fill me up and help me to worship you. So it's, it's really driven by being filled with the Spirit. If you're having, um, trouble connecting with that concept, that's, what might be missing? There needs to be a connect to the to the Lord in your life to say, you know, I'm saying I'm a Christian. If that's what you're saying, then when you come to a gathering of people, you want to say, Lord, take control, uh, fill me up, be filled with the Spirit. That's a command, Christian. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay? All too often, we're, it's like we're, we're more filled with ourselves than with the, the Spirit of God. But you know what? The nice thing is, and Sarah brought it up with her, you know, here's the music. M- music helps in doing that very thing, in helping us be filled with the praises of God. And you, you weigh it out in your life. How often are you really filled with the praises of God in your life? Yes, you've got work to do. You've got responsibilities. Here's this. I've got to remember this and this and this. But here's what God wants to do. He wants to bring about a development in your life so that no matter what's going on, you can be what filled with the praises of God. You can be keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the resurrected one, and give him thanks and praise. I know... And you know it. Most all of you, you know, tomorrow, here you go. You turn around and you go back to work. And what's going to happen? The pressures of life. Are they going to get you down? Uh, Is it going to drag you down? All that stuff. And you think, I'm going to try again, try again. I'm going to try and overcome. The only way you and I can overcome is through His strength, His power. Being filled with the Spirit. So he he starts his song off. This first verse, praise to the covenant-keeping God, and note how the praise is done by way of being filled with the Spirit. And then it says, and he prophesied. Here it serves as a combination of both foretelling and forthtelling. He's doing both in this song. Prophesying, we all, all often think of it as here's a prophet um, that prophesies and he's forth or, or i'm sorry he's foretelling he's telling you what's to come that's the role of an old testament prophet here's what's coming you better get things right repent and trust god right there's the the, the idea of an old testament prophet but here's also the idea of here's foretelling. telling here's also what's true and he's proclaiming this as true And he starts by saying, there it is, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy. Bing, bing, bing. There it is again. (laughs) To show mercy toward our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him. All our days. There's verse 1 of the song. And why I say it's praise to a covenant keeping God. Because way back when. In the book of Genesis as recorded there. Here's God's covenants given to God's people. What was a covenant? You know. A covenant we think of as a. a, Like a promise. But in this case. This covenant. Cannot be. Be broken it cannot be broken god kept his word and listen this is what's so interesting and intriguing about this this story this record here in luke chapter one is it's coming together here it is it's happening and zacharias knows now that he can speak he speaks forth the praises of god because it's going down as we say here it comes it's happening so he's boasting not about his newborn son he's boasting in the covenant keeping god now remember we can we say here's here's this passage in Luke chapter 1 but you know what it's the emphasis of the bible the bible is about god we said this before the bible is not about you and your your dream the Bible is about God it's his story Okay, and the more we get in line with that thought that the Bible is about God and his work and his story we won't get it confused we can say this is my hymn book it's all about him right so thus The response of praise is for God that He's the one keeping His word. Verse sixty-eight. Look at it. That He has visited us, not in the sense of how maybe we visit. We visit in 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 a good way, but in in another way. And this is where I bring Dale back into the picture as an illustration. You know, or anyone, not just Dale, but anyone. In the hospital that's helpless. And you go, and it's not because of what they'll do for you, it's what you want to do for them. There, there's the idea. You you it's like a, a mercy visit. That's the idea behind what this is what he's saying here. For he has visited us in our misery. That's what God's done. He recognizes our condition. It's one of misery. You think, where are you getting off of that? I mean, look at, look at how things are in our society, in our, in our world. Look at how things are in our church. You know, everything looks good. I'm not going by what we see. We're not going by what we see. We're going by what God says is the condition of the human heart. Right? That's the idea behind it. He's he he has come to visit us in our mercy, in our misery, and he has accomplished redemption for his people, referring to what he's it's a past tense thing. He's already accomplished this for his people, Israel. It's the redemption that God brought about when his people were in bondage, right in Egypt, and he brought about their redemption. He bought them with a price. Yeah, he bought them with the price back in Egypt. It was blood that was spilt. It was a a type of what was to come at the cross. So they were purchased, blood sacrifice, and they were rescued out of Egypt, delivered, okay? So he accomplished redemption for his people. And so thus, Zechariah understands that, he gets it, now, this is, this is what's interesting, folks. Redemption was only for those who were in what? In slavery. So if you today, here's, I'm, I'm doing a quantum leap. If you today are in here and you're thinking, hey, I'm fine. Things are good with me and God. Then that means that you, you know, maybe there's that tendency for you to have figured that I'm good with how I am. And I figured out, you know, me and God are okay. That there ought to be a warning sign going off saying, alert, 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 wrong, wrong. Because there's only one way that a man or a woman or a boy or a girl can be made right with the holy, righteous God of the universe. And that's through blood sacrifice and in this case, a perfect blood sacrifice, Jesus Christ. He was the blood sacrifice at Calvary. He paid the price so that you might be redeemed, bought out of the slave market, bought out of bondage, and set free. Okay? He accomplished it. So that idea, um, and even if you're saying, hey, I'm a believer, and I get this, you still need the mentality of a slave. Now, Romans chapter 6, right? Romans chapter 6 says, you're still a slave. Now you're a slave to? To God. You were once a slave to unrighteousness. Now you're a slave to righteousness. So we always need to keep this mentality in our minds so that we can, listen, so that we can appreciate mercy even more. See, here's the thing. A, a concern of any anyone that is you know, wanting to learn to love God, the concern ought to be that we just act like mercy is just another word. It's just another thing. And yeah, what's the big deal? That ought to be a concern. We let mercy just get thrown in the junk pile. Until we start getting the garbage out of our sights the garbage of the world and we focus in on the word of God and what it says about mercy you know finding Dale in a helpless condition there's nothing that could be done except by the doctors Okay, and there's the connection there's the connection. We understand there's nothing that can be done for your spiritual status by anyone but by the physician, the great physician, Jesus. Okay, so verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Verse 69. And he raised up a horn of salvation for us. Okay, so we're talking about Zacharias' song, right? So what kind of instrument was this? It's not a musical instrument. (laughs) It's not a musical instrument he's talking about here. The horn of salvation. God raised up the horn of salvation, meaning... It's about strength. Here's the strength. Here's the, where the power is. It's in God's deliverance. It's in God's way. Alright? He raised up a horn of salvation. Again, this is a notable Old Testament reference. Is mentioned other times in the Old Testament especially. But it's about God raising up strength and power to deliver from a powerful enemy. In this case... He's talking about Israel. Here's Israel's deliverance. But it carries over. Here's the new covenant idea in the New Testament. In the New Testament we see it's a much greater enemy than Egypt. It's a parallel. Right? But Satan and the kingdom of darkness is a much greater enemy than any nation. It's the kingdom of darkness. And again... You can be the nicest person in the world, but you can still be under the reign of the kingdom of darkness in your life. And that's the idea that it becomes now. It's not just a it is a historical issue. It's historical in the fact that here's what God promised with his covenant. And here's what God delivered the exodus. Here's God's work unfolding. And now we see this praise being given. So, he raised up the horn of salvation in the house of David, his servant. And and on it goes about here are now the the further details of Israel's victories all because of God and his protection, his deliverance and his triumphs. And he, he mentions a couple of times Here in verses 70 to 75, the issue of being saved from our enemies. Zechariah got it. He understood. And he sees what's coming, you know, here through the birth of his son, John the Baptist. God was working in this very moment by this. Fulfilling his covenant promise with his people. You know, what What was the Old Testament about? Uh, pointing to a Savior. Pointing to the Messiah. And now the one who's going to help prepare the way. John the Baptist is, is come. Has been, he's been born. If you mark this down, Genesis chapter 12. We're not going to turn there. But Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Talk about the Abrahamic covenant. And in that, in verse 3... Genesis twelve verse three. He talks about and every, all the families will be blessed, meaning it's it's worldwide blessing out of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis chapter twelve, and here's where it starts taking fruit, taking here here it starts coming because the Messiah is on his way, and he's he'll in, in this passage here in luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 we read of his uh coming birth okay so through through god's work we see israel's redemption deliverance and the potential transformation that's mentioned look at verse 72 four. It's seventy four, where he then says to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, and here is now the transformation that's mentioned, that we might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Okay? So we have here God's plan for his people. And it's you know it, it, you, you just look at this passage and you study it and you realize, well, that's what the New Testament is about. Here's the Gospels declaring the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And here are the, the epistles in the New Testament. And they're about what? Telling Christians and telling churches how they ought to be and telling Christians how they ought to live. So. The second verse now. That's the first verse in verses 68 through 75. And now we get the second verse. The second verse of Zechariah's song is the preparation for the Messiah. In this passage, in verses 76, 77, 78, he turns and talks to his child now. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. He's, He's talking about John the Baptist, his baby boy. But really, it's about the preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Okay? And he calls him the prophet of the Most High. Now, connection here on that, significance on that? No one of a, not one prophet has been around for 400 some years. It had been 400 years since a true prophet of God was on the scene. Take yourself back 400 years from this point. Okay, And uh, think about that. No voice from God for 400 years. And now, here he is. He's been born. John the Baptist. God's going to use John the Baptist to now be a voice in the wilderness. Crying out, what? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Okay? So, he's the prophet. And he's the preparer. And how does he help prepare the way of the Lord? By preaching. It's the message of the, of the gospel. And what did, what was John known for? He'd be out in the wilderness and he'd be calling a spade a spade. You repent! Oh, you vipers. Referring to, the, here are the Pharisees, the religious experts. He's calling out to them, you repent! You bring forth fruits. Showing your repentance. Here's a, here's a mighty preacher. And what did Jesus, later on in Jesus' adult life, what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? There's no one greater than John the Baptist. And so we need to let his testimony ring clear in our minds about what he had done. Okay? Okay. So, the, the, the preparing part is through the preaching of the gospel message. Okay, And look at verse 77. He says, to give his people, this talking about John the Baptist, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by, what? Pardon. A, a, a divine pardon. Forgiveness of sins. Let me ask this. Do you have and do you hold a divine pardon right now? Do you, do you know of that divine pardon? There's a difference, folks. You can know about a divine pardon. You can know about a divine pardon. But do you know divine pardon? That's critical. You can know a lot of things. And you can do a lot of things. Jesus said, you know, those came to me and said, Oh, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name. We did this in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. See how critical it is that you, you, wherever you are in your life, you're here in this room right now. Wherever you are, it's critical, absolutely critical, that you know the difference between knowing about divine pardon and knowing divine pardon it's knowing jesus versus knowing about jesus everyone in this room probably knows about jesus but the key is do you know him and so john the baptist was brought about for the preparation of the messiah and it's like this is a high point a climax in the song when he says and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You'll go before, on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of, get that, based upon, here's the foundation for it all, based upon what? Our key theme is tender mercy. His tender mercy. And God knew. God knew. Here you were. Listen to me. God knew where you were. You were helpless. Yeah? You were helpless. You could not get up on your own and do anything to please God. That's gotta get through to us. That's an absolute truth. This visitation of God, this advent of God, this coming was based all on His tender mercy. So, here's the divine motivation. It's about His mercy. And like Psalm 136, His mercy endures forever. And He rescued the people out of Egypt. And His mercy endures forever. And that's got to be the theme that we pick up on. As we go about our lives. Not just at a holiday season. But all times. It's all because of our miserable condition. Look at Romans chapter 5. Turn there please. Romans chapter 5. Now. Uh, You've heard me say this this, uh, phrase, our miserable condition. And there's a reason why we've got to do that. So we get the good news. You've got to understand the bad news. And this world doesn't want to hear the bad news. The world will, you know, want to paint, paint things just however, however lovely. But God gives us the truth. God gives us the truth. And he says in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. And if you haven't done it yet, circle these descriptions. For while we were still helpless. Helpless. There's nothing that you could have done to make things right with God while we're still helpless at the right time christ died for the ungodly for one will hardly die for a righteous man though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die but god demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we're yet here's the second one while we're yet sinners christ died for us much more than verse nine having been justified by his blood there's that blood sacrifice payment We've been justified by His blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God. In Verse 10. For a while we were enemies. See, it's not just that we were helpless and we're sinners. And now he adds in that we were enemies of God. And it really doesn't matter what you think. You can say, but I've always been a nice guy or a girl. I've really been nice. Well, I'm glad, and I probably would categorize you in that way. You're a nice person, but God says you are helpless. You're sinners. You're enemies. Until what? Until you come to faith in Christ, and now you're a. You're not just a, you know, a a, a worker out in the back forty for God. Now you're a a child by faith in Jesus. So. Critical that you put your you you come to this point where you you decide it, it's it's something you, you've got to come to grips with. Will you accept Christ? Will you come to faith in Christ? Will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with your life, not just your brain? Will you put your faith in Christ? Okay, so. That's the preparation for the Messiah, going back to Luke chapter 1. And now we pick up with the final point, and that is the third verse of this song. And it's this, the purpose of the Messiah. He comes now to the purpose of the Messiah. Not just the preparation. Here's John the Baptist crying in the wilderness and preaching But now here's the purpose, verse 78, the last part of verse 78. With which the sunrise from on high shall visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. All this coming forth from Zechariah, who understood the Old Testament dealings, understood what God was doing and bringing about. Here's his covenant keeping ways. And now here's this prep, the the preparation for the Messiah. And now the here's the purpose of the Messiah, the sunrise, or the day spring, or that New International says the the rising sun. You know we we love it here in Nevada. You, you know you can see it coming. Here comes the sun, and it's it's coming up on the on you know typically the clear day. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, it's important that we understand what Zacharias is getting at here. Again, referring to an Old Testament reference. And it's about Christ, the Messiah, being paralleled with the day spring. the springing up of light, the, the rising of the sun. And yeah, this is another issue, folks, that we, we just take it for granted. But God's Word is pointing us to this consistent, uh, true issue in life. Was there ever a day you woke up and said, Gee, where'd the sun go? I mean, it's so—it's really so simple. But yet we're not getting the connection. We don't get the connection made. But here comes the Messiah, the hope of the world. And the Scripture is saying... There it is, verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us. Okay? So, sunrise or the dawning, uh, the springing of the day is produced and only can be produced by the, the sun's coming up. Or if you want to be technical, the earth revolving around the sun, Okay? <laughs> Jot down Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. Malachi 4, verse 2, the Son of Righteousness, S U N, is what he refers to there. But what are, you know, quickly, what are the some of these parallels of the the sun out in the sky and the Son of God? It's consistency. It's centeredness. Think about it. It's vastness. It's burning. The idea of holiness it's and its burning. The beauty and the glory of it. What is it? What is this sun, the, the physical sun for our For you that are in agriculture, you know, come on. Think of this. Here's a source of light, the source of life. And that's what Zacharias' song is culminating with. It's about Jesus, it's about the dawning of the new day, meaning Christmas. Meaning, God has come. And it's filled with mercy. It's filled with mercy. And so, we need to, you know, allow this uh, truth to be magnified more and more in our minds. Next week, we want to... Look even more specifically at mercy. We're going to stay with it here for next Sunday also. And asking asking yourself, again, is mercy evident in my life? Do I know God's mercy and is mercy evident in my dealings with people? And to be thankful for, here is Zacharias... Lots of other people doubted, like Zacharias. Aren't you glad that you weren't zipped up when you doubted? And the point there again is let's grow in faith faith or confidence, our hope. It's in Christ Jesus, the one that we celebrate here, especially not just. On December 25. Which you know. Who knows exactly when. The birth was. I know uh, historically it's like. Well that. That was what one of the guys got to do. Is say there's Christmas. That's when he was born. (laughs) Well. As we. As we close our time this morning. You know. Think about. This state of misery that someone maybe you've seen someone in a in a miserable way physically speaking connect that to the fact that that's what we are apart from Christ we are in a miserable condition but because of his mercy and the day of visitation when he was born when Jesus was born yeah have mercy by the way you know what Nowadays, you can go uh, see the site of where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But you know what you have to do? You have to crouch down. As they say in the olden days, the reason why, it was for the, the wonderful authorities and high, high-ranking officials had to get off of their high horse and get down and crouch in and and crawl through this little opening to see this uh, supposed traditional place of Christ's birth. That's the idea, that we humble ourselves. We ask for His mercy in our lives. Father, we thank You again for Your Word. We thank You for the, the emphasis that we see in Your Word of Your tender mercy towards us in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that each one of us would know this mercy in our hearts, not just know about it. Lord, we thank you that from days of old, the, the whole idea of, of paralleling the, the physical sun and the sun of righteousness is evident. Lord, when we see the sun out in the sky, help us to give praise to your name, not just for being the creator who spoke these things into existence, but for being our Savior in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for the hope that we have of eternity. And Lord, we we pray that you would continue to help us and grow each one of us in our faith. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't have that confidence, doesn't have that assurance that they'd be able to talk to me or someone. So we could point them to the one. The one Lord Jesus. The one and only. The Savior of the world. And we praise you and thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.